Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome, I'm Roger Stone, and well, you're back in the Stone Zone. It's always hard on Mondays to sort through all the political news because, of course, the Stone Zone is all about politics. First, a little housekeeping matter. There seems to be this strange subset of people claiming to be MAGA out there on the Internet who question the loyalty of myself and General Michael Flynn uh, to President Donald Trump. Uh, anyone who doubts my relationship with the president can take a look at this. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Where's Roger Stone? <laughs> Or perhaps they should take a look at this. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level. Roger Stone. Where's Roger? <laughs> Thank you, Roger that is being pushed uh, is that I wanted General Flynn, uh, who is a good friend, a man I admire enormously, to supplant Donald Trump as the 2024 Republican presidential nominee. This is uh, categorically false. There is no question that I told General Flynn that if for some reason President Trump elected not to run, or if there were some reason that he was legally incapacitated and wasn't able to run, well, that I thought General Flynn would be preferable to Ron DeSantis or any of the rhinos. Today, of course, it is a moot point. The president is not only running, but he's running strongly, and General Flynn and I are both strongly supporting him. I'm glad we were able to sort that out. By the way, there's a guy named Mike Gill, who seems to be the progenitor of all this, I don't know Mr. Gill. I've never had any contact or association with him. I'm unaware of what his allegations are, uh, but uh, I keep hearing from third parties that he's defaming me. Uh, I don't know Gill. I don't know what his claims are, uh, but they are nonsense if they question my loyalty to Donald Trump or the loyalty of General Flynn. Uh, big news over the weekend, uh, a story in the New York Post uh, by John Levine, claimed that agents, or uh, uh, not really clear, those representing President Donald Trump had reached out to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. about the potential of being vice president. Uh, it, within minutes, uh, this story was shot down. There's the headline uh, by Mr. Levine. Uh, but shortly thereafter, uh, Chris LaCivita, who is the co-campaign manager for Donald Trump, posted uh, an immediate rebuttal. Uh, there it is, uh, on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. That, in turn, has been picked up by the media. Uh, and uh, here's the following New York Post headline. But that, in turn, uh, was followed up by uh, a post this morning in which Robert Kennedy said he was indeed approached. Now, I know the folks in the Trump campaign, they vehemently deny this, but there are in politics people who are, you know, freelancers, those who don't really have authorization, who don't speak for the candidate. By the way, I don't. He's just a friend and I'm a supporter, but I have no authority to speak for him. But there are people out there who may have designated themselves 
as trying to put together some kind of combination here. I suspect what that has that is what happened. Uh, I do want to say once again that a report last week uh, by Sebastian Gorka, who claimed that the vice presidential candidate had already been chosen uh, and that it was former uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin uh, of New York, uh, is inaccurate uh, and that is false. If President Donald Trump has selected a running mate, well, he hasn't told me yet, nor has he told anyone. He says he has, and he may have, but it is known only to him. In fact, if there's even an official shortlist, it's known only to him and tightly held by his uh, campaign staffers. Uh, this is uh, an open question, because in my opinion, you can't know who the Republican candidate for vice president is going to be until you know, or the, know who the Democratic candidate for president uh, and vice president are going to be. If you look at the uh, Las Vegas oddmakers, uh, Michelle Obama now considered in Las Vegas the third most likely person to uh, be nominated or, pardon me, elected president uh, of the United States. Uh, that is, uh, uh, that is uh, uh, something that I predicted, as you know, some time ago. I didn't really realize that the oddmakers had seized on this until it was brought to my attention by Patrick Ben David when I ran into him on Sunday. Not insignificant, uh, in my opinion. Uh, some bad news uh, for Steve Bannon. Uh, well, Mr. Bannon uh, and I have had our past differences. Uh, I'm praying for him because I know what it is to be in the crosshairs of the deep state. Last week, uh, prosecutors in New York dismissed, uh, 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 or I should say the court dismissed a claim uh, by Mr. Bannon that the charges against him in connection with the financial fraud that we build the wall campaign should be dismissed. Uh, according to ABC News, uh, former Trump advisor Steve Bannon's attempts to dismiss his fraud indictment bear little resemblance to reality, Manhattan prosecutor said Tuesday in a new court filing. Bannon uh, has pled not guilty in the case, and a trial is scheduled for May. The Manhattan district attorney said Bannon defrauded donors to the nonprofit organization by falsely promising that none of the money they donated would be used to pay the salary of We Build the Fall President Brian Colfatch. Colfatch, by the way, has pled guilty and has already been sentenced and is serving prison time. Uh, it says that Bannon secretly funneled hundreds of thousands of dollars to Colfatch by laundering it through third parties. Now, again, uh, no one in America is. Uh, is guilty until proven guilty, and Mr. Bannon is innocent until proven guilty, uh, but this trial appears to be scheduled for May. Again, um, I pray for Steve. I have been uh, in those crosshairs. Joining me now to break down the rest of the political news uh, is my co-host, Troy Smith, who is the uh, editor-at-large at, at Rare.us. Roger, honored to be here today. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to break down, and uh, it's a new week, folks. So a whole new news cycle. Uh, it is uh, it is quite extraordinary uh, how much political news is made over the weekend. Uh, we actually have to sort through the many many stories to try to figure out what exactly to cover. Last week, uh, as you know, was kind of a a difficult week for me. My wife and I, it was the fifth anniversary uh, of the FBI raid uh, on my home uh, on January 25th, uh, 2019, uh, 29 fully SWAT clad FBI agents uh, brandishing fully automatic semi M4 assault weapons stormed my home at six o'clock in the morning in a pre-dawn raid. They arrived in 17 armored vehicles. There was a government helicopter above. Uh, there were two amphibious units uh, pulling up on the dock because I lived on a canal uh, in Fort Lauderdale behind uh, the house. Uh, and of course, um, there was no reason for this. Uh, the government argued that I had to be taken down in this way because I was a flight risk. Yet five hours later at arraignment, uh, the government asked for no cash bond, and I was released on my own reconnaissance, proving, of course, that I was never a, flat, a flight risk. The government was well aware of the fact that I did not have a valid passport, did not own a firearm, 
uh, and I'm obviously extremely recognizable. Uh, I uh, posted a piece to Substack, you can also see it at stonezone.com, in which I make the case that I did nothing wrong, I broke no laws, that I was very cleverly framed uh, with process crimes in an effort to pressure me uh, into testifying falsely against President Donald Trump. Uh, in order to uh, commemorate uh, the, the uh, pardon uh, that I ultimately received, uh, you can now go to stonezone.com, where we have uh, a new commemorative coin, uh, which uh, speaks to this horrific experience. You can go to stonezone.com uh, and see this fabulous coin. Uh, it is a, a great value. There's a very limited number of these, and I think folks are going to like them. Of course, you could also order the Roger Stone Did Nothing Wrong t-shirt, uh, which I was actually wearing at the time of my arrest. Go by stonezone.com. There's a great story about this, but also get your commemorative coin while you are there. All right, uh, let's uh, move on here with the news. Troy, um, what do you make of this uh, of this Schumer-Lankford border deal uh, that seems to be hung up in the U.S. Senate where James Lankford, presumably, or by his telling a conservative Republican from a burgundy red state, uh, seems to have approved a deal that includes allowing 5,000 illegals to come through, uh, I guess it is, per day. Uh, this doesn't sound like a secure border to me. What's gotten into James Langford? He ran in the primary as a border hawk. Well, Roger, you know, this is a, a reoccurring trend here. And I was kind of alarmed to see uh, over the weekend watching uh, the news because I always, you know, we have some kind of political news on here at all times. And uh, I was I was listening to Lindsey Graham and and uh, Tom Tillis and others tell us that this deal on the border is the best deal that we are going to get. And they added that if Trump were to get elected, that making a deal on the border would actually be more difficult. And, uh, you know, dissecting that, Roger, what that sounds like to me is, hey, if Trump's here, he's not going to sign off on this bill. And that's what exactly that means. That's what it means for Langford and all these people. They're not going to be able to sell us out if Donald Trump gets gets into office. So, Roger, why don't they sign it now so that Biden can sign it and that we can continue to have this surge at the border? We can legally allow people to just pour in 5,000 a day into the country. Um, it sounds like they are trying to uh, prepare for what they know is coming, which is 2024, the presidential election. They know that the American people are looking at the Biden administration. They're looking at how things are going in D.C. And they're saying, yeah, this isn't going to last very long. And they look at Donald Trump and the popularity he has and the fact that no matter how much the uh, press and, and the legal system attacks him, he continues to rise in the polls. And they know, uh, you posted something this morning, Roger, a five to six odd that Donald Trump is going to win in Vegas the presidential election in 2024. That means he is a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite to win this thing. Uh, and 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 that's why I think it's important for people to realize the best deal that the Republicans can get right now is a terrible deal for you, the people. And and it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's really criminal, Roger, the fact that we have people that are allowing what's going on at the border, not addressing it, but putting forth legislation that's actually going to continue the lawlessness. It's just ridiculous. Uh, I just don't see how, uh, maybe I'm being obtuse, I don't see how the Biden administration uh, benefits politically from uh, a deal that essentially allows 5,000 people a day to cross our border and then will somehow claim that the border has been sealed or that the issue has been fixed. Uh, what is your take on the entire uh, struggle between Governor Greg Abbott uh, and uh, and the Biden administration uh, at Eagle Pass? And why Eagle Pass? Uh, that's another question that keeps coming up. Uh, well, you know, Roger, when we're talking about the border, we're talking about a lot of areas that, uh, you know, it's hard. We don't have the defenses. We don't have. And you remember President Trump. I mean, we talked about a six billion dollar border wall. We've sent over two hundred billion dollars to Ukraine. We wanted six billion dollars for a border wall. And the Democrats kicked and dragged their feet and said that it was going to be bankrupt in the United States if we put money into the border. So there's sections of the border that are completely porous that have been for some time. Um, and, and people just kind of waltz across these things. And I think 
if you're looking for a reason as to why the border and why Abbott and this fight is so important, it's because uh, we're talking about an invasion. Um, and Abbott puts it well. There, the, the, the number of illegal immigrants that have passed the border during this administration is greater than the population of many states here in the United States of America. So we have we have more people pouring into the country through the border than we do in several states in this country. That is terrifying. And when you think about the implications of that uh, culturally, uh, economically, um, you're talking about a, a huge disaster for the people who actually live here. And I think what adds on top of it, Roger, is the fact that these people come in and they get preferential treatment. They get special treatment. And in the schools, we use taxpayer money to to, to pay for more teachers to come in who speak Spanish so that they can interpret what these kids who come across the border are saying because they don't speak English at home, that kind of thing. I mean, the idea that the American taxpayer is on the on, on the hook here for this bill is, is really what this is all about. Our country is being bankrupted from within. And the Democrats think, Roger, that, that they can bring in these people from the third world and that they will be, start voting Democrat. And I think one, they're going to be mistaken there. And two, they're not going to be minded like we are politically. These people come from areas that are dirt poor. They don't have the same values. They don't have the same uh, ideas about life and success and things of that nature. So for the Democrats, it's not that they get a voter base almost. It's that they get people with lowered expectations and they get people who they can provide you know, not all that much to they can they can have a rotting country with cities that you can't go into. And for them, it's actually an improvement from where they come from. It's it's a lowered standard that they're having. And, and the more of these people that they can come in, the, the, the more they can justify their policies, the easier it is for them to get away with destroying our country, because it's easier to bring in people who don't know how good it was than to make things better for the people who remember how good it was. Uh, it's very interesting that in New York City, which has had a huge uh, uh, influx of illegal migrants, the city first uh, put the migrants uh, into luxury hotels that they essentially commandeered. The Roosevelt Hotel, which is on the National Registry of Landmarks, uh, has become a, a migrant center. Then when they move the migrants out to a tent facility, uh, which essentially uh, in a field, the migrants were unhappy with the with the uh, uh, with the accommodations and demanded to be moved back to the luxury hotels. You and I are, are all paying for this. It's interesting that in the Iowa caucuses, the number one issue uh, in the entry polls was immigration. In the New Hampshire primary, the number one issue in the exit polls was immigration. I don't see this issue fading regardless of what the Congress does. I'm still, frankly, trying to sort out the politics of it, to be honest with you. Well, and Roger, let me let me add real quickly, just on that note, uh, on MSNBC and, and, and these liberal networks, they actually say, well, uh, you know, it's just because of Fox News. It's because of Fox News that people in New Hampshire and Iowa are worried about the border. It's because of Fox News that these people are, are worried about the southern border, which is so far away from them. They can't understand that it's a cultural impact on the entirety of our nation. And that these people, whether they're 3,000 miles away from the border or three miles from the border, they feel the same impact. Well, you have the mayor of New York City, the mayor of Chicago, both saying that financially they're at the breaking point. That wasn't invented by Fox News. You have a fentanyl crisis in the country. Uh, as I've said on the show, my own nephew, uh, my sister's uh, only son, uh, passed now a little under two weeks ago from a fentanyl overdose. This is something... We feel very deeply in our family. Uh, we're not imagining this. We have a crime epidemic. We have a fentanyl epidemic. Uh, we have the shifting of social service spending away from Americans uh, who are in need to illegals who are in need. I feel badly for them as well, by the way. Uh, but the idea that this is going to recede as an issue uh, is just false. Uh, I want to talk about the E. Jean Carroll case uh, and decision in New York City. But before we do that, I want to take the opportunity to remind you that our show today is sponsored uh, by the great folks at MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com is, of course, 
the uh, the major business vehicle of that great free speech advocate and election integrity ag- advocate, Mike Lindell. Uh, and if you go to MyPillow.com right now and you use promo code STONE, uh, there are some great, great specials there that you can take advantage of. Uh, I'm a great fan of their uh, men and women's uh, terry cloth bathrobes. Those are on special. They have a wide, uh, lush uh, shawl collar. Uh, I'm also uh, a big fan, as many know, of the MyPillow dog beds. Uh, if you're an animal lover, for suitable for either dogs or cats, uh, these uh, protect your furniture, protect your floors, protect your rugs, but allow your pets uh, to lounge or sleep uh, in absolute luxury. And if you're going to go for the dog beds, well, you're going to want the My Pillow pet blankets. Uh, the blankets allow you to do what we do, crank the air conditioning down at night so it remains cool, uh, but still have uh, my babies uh, be warm and toasty. Uh, whether it is uh, the men and women's moccasin slippers or whether it is the towel sets now on special or whether it is the famous uh, high quality sheets there are many many great products at mypillow.com just remember to use promo code stone so that you get your discount now you can go to mypillow.com or you can dial 1-800-544-8939 to place your offer now. Troy Smith joins me again uh, in the Stone Zone today. He is the uh, editor-in-chief of Rare.us. And I guess the biggest story this weekend was the uh, decision uh, in the E. Jean Carroll case in New York City. Now, uh, E. Jean Carroll had already won a judgment against Donald Trump, in which a jury held that while Trump did not rape uh, Ms. Carroll, he did sexually assault Ms. Carroll, uh, and he defamed her. Uh, This is uh, the take of uh, the great Victor Hanson Davis. I can't put it better than this, so I'm going to go through this. Uh, Donald Trump's uh, inferior stormed out of New York courtroom for a while in the defamation suit brought by the author and dating boyfriend sex advice columnist, E. Jean Carroll. It was just settled against Trump for $83 million. The Carroll suit was largely subsidized by a man named Reed Hoffman, the billionaire capitalist and mega donor of the Democratic Party and left wing causes. Subtext of Donald Trump's rage, aside from the outrageous monetary size of the defamation ruling, is that he is facing an angered, uh, a left wing claimant, a quite equally hostile left wing judge and a left-wing New York jury. The civil suit serves as a mere preview of four additional left-wing criminal prosecutions, left-wing judges, and left-wing juries to come, all on charges that would never have been filed if Trump either was not running for president or was a liberal progressive. Yet, here we are. The E. Jean Carroll case is the most baffling of all of them. She's the alleged victim, did not remember even the year in which the purported sexual assault took place nearly three decades ago. Observers have pointed out dozens of inconsistencies in her story. It was never clear what the preliminaries supposedly, Trump denies ever meeting her, by the way, led both of them allegedly, willingly, to retreat together to a department store dressing room where during normal business hours where the alleged violence took place. Moreover, the sexual assault complaint came forward decades after the fact, and only after Trump was running uh, and then for president. Carroll eventually sued him for battery, but well after the statute of limitations had expired, and thus the case seemed defunct. Her claims of defamation injuries arise from being fired from her advice column job at Elle magazine. She claimed that Trump's sharp denials and ad hominem retorts led to the ruin of her career. But the loss for anyone of a column at the age of 76 does not seem to be such a rare occurrence. In the absence of a salary job in one's late 70s for four years does not seem to add up to $83 million in terms of a hit. The noted allegation that her dispute with Trump led to her firing was strongly, by the way, denied by the magazine that fired her. 
But then a strange thing happened. In 2022, a new law called the Adult Survivors Act was passed in the New York State Legislature. It was also a, an after-the-fact uh, act, uh, established a 12-month window, which began six months after the signing of the bill, that permitted survivors of long-ago alleged sexual assaults suddenly to sue the accused long-ago perpetrator, regardless of the previous statute of limitations. The unexpected openings suddenly gave Carol's prior unsuccessful efforts a rebirth, and she quickly refiled with the help of an arch-Trump-hating billionaire, Reed Hoffman, a man who, by the way, visited Epstein's Island several times and is a major donor to Nikki Haley's presidential campaign. More interestingly, he had earlier introduced and had passed another Trump-targeted bill, the Trust Act. Uh, pardon me, let me back up. Uh, the bill was introduced in the legislature by a state legislator named Brad Hoyleman Siga, known as another Trump antagonist. Uh, more interestingly, this gentleman had earlier, earlier introduced and had passed another Trump-targeted bill, the Trust Act, which empowered particular federal congressional committees to have full access to New York State's once-sealed income tax records for high-ranking government officials such as Donald Trump. The bill's generally agreed subtext was a green light for anti-Trump members of Congress to obtain legal access to Trump's tax returns. So there's an eerie feeling that the New York legislature may have abruptly passed legislation that was aimed at the past conduct of Donald Trump, but only after he entered the political arena. While these are not quite bills of attainder, they're somewhat unsettling in that they are ex post facto laws aimed at targeting the most famous and controversial man in America and today the leading candidate for president. In essence, they were targeted statutes designed to make Trump's prior legal, unactionable behavior suddenly quite legally actionable. Trump will be subject to special treatment all summer and all fall. Prosecutors Bragg, James, Smith, and Willis will synchronize their court business for maximum effect. Trump will again face uh, left-wing prosecutors, judges, and juries on charges that are politically driven, uh, involving alleged behavior that is either not usually not criminalized or not to the same degree as in Trump's case. Uh, do we remember the nearly $375,000 federal fine belatedly leveled at an exempt Obama, but only five years after uh, his 2008 illegal garnering of and not reporting of massive foreign campaign contributions? The stakes are higher each day as Trump closes in on the Republican nomination and thus becomes the hope to half the people in the country to end the Biden madness. Somehow Trump will have to stay calm and give no opening to his legion of hostile prosecutors while conducting a nonstop campaign against Biden and for a while against uh, Nikki Haley while fighting to keep his name on various state ballots. So what we're witnessing is not even the extra legal efforts of Steele, Fusion, GPS, Perkins Coy, the DNC, Hillary Clinton in 2016, or the 2020 Russian, differ, di, Russian uh, collusion, Rus, uh, changing the voter laws, infusing a half billion dollars to absorb the work of registrar machinations against Trump, which is done by Mr. Zuckerberg. Still, Trump will have to soldier on. He must stay controlled amid the tsunamis, not play into the hands of his accusers, and remember that he may soon be the only 11th hour hope to stop this mockery of American law, customs, and traditions. The great uh, Victor Hansen Davis sums this up quite well. Now, we also know uh, how this lawsuit came to be. Evidently, Ms. Carroll ran into George Conway, uh, the famously anti-Trump lawyer, at a cocktail party uh, uh, at the home of the odious Molly Jong Fast. Uh, and uh, it was then that he proposed uh, getting Mr. Hoffman to finance a lawsuit. It's hard to say where in the plan uh, this change in state law came in. Uh, but uh, Alina Haba, uh, the president's lawyer, who was unable to address much of this in the courtroom, did have something to say outside the courtroom. Let's roll that. No, no, no. I'm glad you asked me that question. No, I'm not having any second thoughts about representing President Trump. It is the proudest thing I could ever do. What I am having second thoughts about 
is the license that I stand here with that the people in there are supposed to have. I have not spoken because I respect my ethics while I'm on trial. But let me now speak about what has happened. I have sat on trial after trial for months in this state, the state of New York. Attorney General Letitia James, and now this. Weeks, weeks, why? Because President Trump is leading in the polls and now we see what you get in New York. So don't get it twisted, whoever asked me that question. I am so proud to stand with President, President Trump. But I am not proud to stand with what I saw in that courtroom. I'm not finished. Let me just finish and I'll take questions, please. Before I walked into court, that judge decided that every single defense President Trump had, we were not allowed to raise in front of the jury. It is in writing, and I encourage the journalists, the real journalists, to take the minute to look at his orders. There was no proof. And I couldn't prove that she didn't bring in the dress. There was no DNA. There was no expert. My experts were denied. Two of them, two of them were denied to come in. They didn't bring, let me bring up that Reed Hoffman funded Ms. Kaplan. And you know what we got in there? That my witness, who was her friend, who said that she is a drug addict and the drug addict is herself. That friend I found out in there was paid for by Ms. Kaplan's firm and that is disgusting. That is a violation of everything I stand for and that is why I stand with Trump. And that is why so many Americans are so proud that he is running again and so excited to run to the ballot box. But don't get it twisted. We are seeing a violation of our justice system. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not allowed to be stripped of every defense that you have. You are not allowed to be told that you can't bring it up. And imagine a point where a judge tells the lawyer before your client, the former president of the United States, the leading candidate and obvious nominee for the Republican Party, before he takes the stand to defend himself, Ms. Haba, tell me the questions you're going to ask in open court and tell me exactly what he's going to respond. And then edited my questions, edited the response he was allowed to give. And guess what my client did? He took the stand. He abided by the rules of this corrupt system that I have seen. We will immediately appeal we will set aside that ridiculous jury. And I just want to remind you all of one thing. I will continue with President Trump to fight for everybody's First Amendment right to speak. Everybody's a right to defend themselves when they are wrongfully accused and to be able to say, I didn't do it. And to double and triple and quadruple down and say, this is wrong. This is wrong. But we are in the state of New York. We are in a New York jury, and that is why we are seeing these witch hunts, these hoaxes, as he calls them, and this is another one of them, be brought in New York, in states where they know they will get juries like this. It will not deter us. We're fighting, and I assure you, we didn't win today, but we will win. The record that was made in there, and the behavior I saw in there, some of which was reported widely today, gave us the most perfect record on appeal, and even if I needed it, which I don't. We were stripped of every defense, every single defense before we walked in there. And I am proud to stand with President Trump because he showed up, he stood up, he took the stand, and he faced this judge. And you know what? I'll continue to do so with him. Yes. Ms. Is the of course, I've spoken with the president. Ms. Hubbard, is the former president scared now of the consequences of his actions? The former president does not live his life in fear, as you've seen every single day. The former president and probably future president will continue to fight for Americans. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, a fire response uh, by uh, Lena Haba. Before I go to Troy Smith for, to his reaction, uh, I know that uh, both in the first trial uh, and in the second trial, uh, the president and his lawyers were not allowed to play this interview from CNN uh, with E. Jean Carroll. Let's roll that. But I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not I think most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. We're going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. <laughs>
I've never seen anybody move to a short break so fast uh, in my entire life. We also learned over the weekend that uh, that Ms. Carroll claimed that she was wearing a specific Donna Karen dress uh, at the time of the sexual assault, uh, but it has now been determined that the address that this dress, which she appears on the cover of New York Magazine wearing, was actually not made until 1994, which would have been after the date generally, that she claims this assault took place. Uh, Troy, what is your take on all of this? Hey, Roger, uh, you know, and I think I'm going to kick this back to you at some point here, because if there's anybody that understands what a witch hunt is, it's definitely you. Uh, But I think we're looking at the dress. I mean, the dress is a perfect example. I mean, she's out there parading around this dress, uh, and, and, and it actually wasn't created during the time that she says it was worn during this alleged assault. And you know, I got some heat uh, for t- for saying that it was an alleged assault, alleged rape, and people, you know, uh, they got they got mad at that. I mean, look, uh, the truth is, I think that if we all look at the evidence, uh, you know, I don't think that there's any question that that, that President Trump is being raked over the coals here. And 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 I think uh, Alina put it very well there uh, that that you know when you're in a courtroom and you can't bring up the fact that the people are are com- that are coming at you were funded by. A donor to one of your main political opponents uh, that 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 would seem kind of important. Reed Hoffman is somebody who's been financing a lot of anti-Trump stuff for many years. Um, and 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 Roger, who in court can't submit evidence? I mean, that's what court is about. It's about bringing up the evidence and getting to the truth of the matter. And the idea that he's uh, in that courtroom with his hands bet- uh, tied behind his back kind of reveals uh, exactly what the establishment wants to do because they want to make this about. Uh, you know, fighting Trump and they want to make this about taking him down in the polls. They don't want him to have open responses. They don't want him to be able to debunk what they're saying. So instead of allowing, so they bring him into the court anyway, and instead of allowing him to present the evidence and the factual uh, things, uh, you know, pertaining to the, uh, to the case, they simply tie his hands behind his back. And all of a sudden he can't uh, talk about, you know, legitimate evidence. And I've, I've never seen anything like it. I'm interested to see, Roger, you've you've been in politics for, for, for so long and paid attention to this for so long. Have you ever seen anything like this before at, out of a courtroom? I mean, this just seems like pure insanity. It's very similar to what I experienced in a D.C. courtroom. The underlying premise uh, of my indictment was that the Russians had hacked, uh, had uh, hacked uh, online, uh, performed an online hack Uh, on the uh, Democratic National Committee. I was denied the right to use forensic evidence or expert testimony to demonstrate that there was no evidence of that. The government kept insisting that it happened, uh, but they had no proof of it. They relied solely on the the CrowdStrikes document, which uh, CrowdStrikes being a third party hired by the Democratic National Committee, uh, which allegedly had examined the computer servers, the FBI admitted in my trial that they had never uh, examined the computer servers. Uh, The judge denied us uh, the copy of that report, uh, denied us uh, the ability to call those witnesses or question uh, them. Uh, I was also specifically prohibited from raising the question of any uh, misconduct or or, uh, corruption by the special counsel's office, the Department of Justice. Uh, the any member of Congress, the FBI, that's specifically unconstitutional under Kyle V. Whitley. I wasn't allowed to challenge the underlying premise uh, of my indictment. There was no online hack of the Democratic National Committee. Uh, and then when we attempted to say that, the government filed a very rare surreply in which they said they had additional evidence uh, of the hack, but it was uh, it was national security, so they could not release it, and they could not submit it, which is, of course, a lie. There is no such evidence. So, yeah, I guess I have seen this kind of railroading in the past, and I I do think this is a key point. These are civil trials where Trump is allowed to speak. The gag against uh, against him, or I should say on him, was upheld in D.C. Uh, That is a, a criminal trial where he will not be allowed to defend himself in public on matters pertaining specifically to the charges against him. Uh, it's not at all like a civil trial. It's it's really quite different. Um, you were not with us for the opening of the show, uh, but I do want to go back to this for a moment. Uh, this 
uh, he said, she said regarding Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Big story, the New York Post uh, picked up uh, at Gateway and uh, a number of other places that some emissary for the Trump campaign reached out to Robert Kennedy uh, to feel him out about running for vice president. Uh, then a strong statement by Chris Lasavita, for whom I have enormous respect, saying this is completely untrue, uh, followed up by a statement by Robert Kennedy saying, well, I was uh, reached out by somebody on Trump's team. Uh, I guess the larger question is this could never work. You have two uh, alpha males whose philosophies uh, are generally much more diverse uh, than people think. They may agree on a few issues, but Robert Kennedy is a radical climate change advocate. Uh, he is for abortion on demand. Uh, there's just, uh, he's for reparations. There are just two major issues on which the two candidates disagree. Uh, is it good that Robert Kennedy uh, now wants to seal the border? Yes, I, I applaud him for that. But being president is broader than that one issue. What's curious to me also this weekend are a number of stories that say that Robert Kennedy is now beginning to court the Libertarian Party. Now, the Libertarian Party has automatically, I think, ballot status in about 30 states. Uh, and it has, I think, the mechanism based on history of my own involvement with them in 2012, the ability and the manpower and the know-how to uh, petition their way on the balance of the states. But does this mean that Robert Kennedy's efforts to get on the ballot as an independent uh, through that same process are foundering? Uh, I think it's a legitimate question. He has said that is his intention. He has set publicly a goal of raising $15 million. Why is he now suddenly speaking to libertarians when several months ago he said that he would not uh, be interested in the Libertarian Party nomination? Well, Roger, it's it's quite concerning, uh, I think, for anybody who's kind of watched this develop. And it's important for people to realize, as you pointed out in one of our prior shows, uh, when, when RFK was running as a Democrat, um, he he posed uh, to to benefit uh, the Trump candidacy, I think, tremendously uh, by raising important issues, by kind of challenging Joe Biden for the Democrat nomination. Uh, and, and I think the switch that ultimately happened there was he realized that he couldn't really sell what he was selling to the Democrat Party as a whole because he didn't want to play the identity politics because you know I I, I agree that RFK is a uh, he is a absolutely a radical climate change uh, Democrat when it comes to you know his green policies and things like that but as far as um, the LGBTQ stuff and the racial stuff he is not anywhere near where we see the Democrat Party today he is much more uh, towards the right as far as that stuff is concerned so he realized i think you know and it was evident in the polls he wasn't appealing to democrats and that's where this gets dangerous because that's when he decides that he's going to become an independent and i think that was the moment that he became uh, a danger to the trump campaign because you and i have talked about these polls we talked about it on your wabc show it is unquestionable that RFK Jr. as an independent, whether he's libertarian or whether he's just on his own, um, takes away a lot more votes from Donald Trump than he does Joe Biden. And as we've seen him progress, he's getting a lot of the celebrity support that we saw from Joe or, or that we saw from Barack Obama and things of that nature. It's almost like the people in power are kind of focusing on RFK. And you have to ask why? Why are all these influential people? focusing on RFK. Well, that's because they don't need to prop up Joe Biden. In fact, the more they prop up Joe Biden, the less people like him. They just have to hurt Trump. And that's what the court cases are. And that's what RFK is now. So it makes perfect sense for that RFK, even though he has this big celebrity support, no one, you know, no one's really donating to him. He's not getting that traction as an independent. So, of course, now that that's happening, I wouldn't be surprised to see him become a libertarian because at the end of the day, the people in power are doing everything they can to take away as many votes as they can from former President Trump. And in this election, it's becoming clearer and clearer that the avenue for them to do that is through RFK and an independent candidacy. And if they can't get him on the ballot with just him, they'll put him on the libertarian ticket and hurt Trump in that way. That's what it looks like to me. But I'm interested to hear your take on this too, Roger, because you see the shifting, the political stuff. And, and maybe you could talk about for a second 
uh, in the 90s with the emergence of Ross Pro, that seems to be the last time that we had a really uh, a threatening candidate. And you probably have some some cool things to add about the Reform Party there. Well, I, I look, I go by the polling. This is not supposition and it's not a guess. So if you look at all of the polling, both private and public, it demonstrates that a Robert Kennedy candidacy pulls a disproportionate number of votes from Donald Trump. Uh, at the same time, Mr. Kennedy seems to me to have no actual prospect to be elected president. He continues uh, to talk uh, endlessly about the fact that he has a higher favorable rating uh, than either Joe Biden or Donald Trump among younger voters. And while that's true, he's still not getting a plurality of the vote among younger voters, which is not the same thing. Now, he talks about border policy. He talks about uh, the war in Ukraine. Uh, he talks about health freedom. He rarely talks about his position on abortion or the fact that he wanted to lock up anybody who disagreed uh, with his climate change agenda. Uh, so uh, perhaps, and the fact that mainstream media has largely banned him and therefore he's been relegated to doing the podcast circuit uh, where he talks to issues that specifically appeal to Trump voters. But uh, in the end, the choice here is going to be between Donald Trump and a Democrat. I still don't believe that Democrat will be Joe Biden. Some of the videos you sent me over the weekend uh, just made me laugh out loud. This guy is, he's non-compass mentis. He, he barely makes sense. Uh, and therefore, I, I repeat uh, the scenario that I see playing out, which is, uh, and I've changed my mind over time as uh, as things have developed. But uh, I think, A, they have cleared the path for Joe Biden to win enough delegates to be renominated. Uh, they really have made it extraordinarily difficult to challenge him within that process, and nobody will. Uh, at a certain juncture, uh, he will roll up enough votes to be the nominee. Uh, but then I believe just prior to the convention, uh, he will announce that for reasons of health, which are totally plausible, uh, that while he's not resigning, he is not up to the rigors of another campaign. Uh, at that point, he will legally release his delegates uh, to let the convention work its will, uh, and that convention will then draft the most popular woman Democrat in the country. That would be Michelle Obama. Uh, she uh, she is uh, one of the most respected women in the country. Uh, she has no political track record to attack per se. Uh, she is uh, she's without any question their potentially strongest candidate. Now the question is what to do uh, about Vice President Kamala Harris, who, as you might understand, believes that well she's next in line, which under a normal political scenario, if a sitting president elected not to run, then the sitting vice president would traditionally be next up for that position. The problem with that, of course, is that Democrats have no greater confidence in her ability to win uh, than they do have confidence uh, in Obama's uh, uh, um, ability, pardon me, Joe Biden's uh, ability to win. Now, what's interesting is a new book that was out last week, which I have ordered but not received. I've only read some of the outtakes, which say that Biden didn't want Kamala Harris to begin with, that he was angry at her for exposing him uh, in one of the debates as the racist that he is. It is absolutely accurate that he ran for the Senate in 1972 as an opponent to the integration of the Wilmington, Delaware school system. He said specifically, if the Wilmington schools were desegregated, it would be a racial jungle. And uh, he, I do not want my daughter going to school in a jungle. If that isn't the dog whistle, I don't know what is. Uh, he is also the progenitor of the 1994 crime bill, uh, which shifts the war on crime away from drug dealers and drug kingpins and drug cartels uh, to the end user. Uh, imposing the harsh mandatory penalties for the first time nonviolent uh, crime of possession of small amounts of drugs for personal use, uh, a law which I think has unfairly uh, and wrongly mass incarcerated hundreds of thousands, if not millions now, uh, of young black men or poor people or people of color. Uh, it's a legitimate uh, criticism. Uh, and therefore, well, and now, so now we're told 
that Joe wants to dump Kamala Harris and replace her with Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. Have you seen any of this stuff, uh, Troy? I have, Roger. And I think that if it, there's I, there's one problem with Kamala Harris as far as the Democrat complex is concerned, she's a little too egotistical. And it's about, you know, she you know, she she ran a campaign ad. If people haven't seen this, she ran a campaign ad for or, or believe it, she was running for president on how to pronounce her name. That's how egotistical this woman is. Her campaign advertisement was talking down to people and talking about, hey, this is how you say my name. And she had small children saying it that that Kamala is, you know, basically a god. That's basically how they 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 worded it. And I just I had a question for you, Roger, because you know, I was looking at the FEC filings and and Biden in 2023 has raised uh, some $150 million just between the Biden Victory Fund and his presidential actually official campaign. Um, in the situation that he does leave, what happens to that money? Does he uh, just transfer that over to uh, somebody else, or how does that work exactly? Um, I, th I believe that it would be legally transferable. Believe it or not, until the late 1970s, uh, under the law, if a federal candidate raised money for their principal campaign fund and they did not use it, they could actually pocket it, take it personally, pay taxes on it on their way out the door. Uh, wow. But uh, that that was uh, that was reformed some time ago. Now I think it depends on whether the money uh, is in a principal campaign uh, vehicle or whether it's in a super PAC. If it's in a super PAC, uh, that that super PAC merely just amend, needs to amend its purposes to make it to the benefit of a different candidate, presumably whoever replaces Joe Biden. Uh, I'm uncertain whether there's a limitation on committee to committee transfer there used to be i don't know if there is today but well it's uh, look, it's, in, it's important to note here roger that uh, th there is 89 million dollars in the biden victory fund which i do believe is a pack and there's only 44 million dollars in his personal biden for president so if that is the case then a majority of the money that's been given to biden over the last year has been put into a pack which would make it easily transferable I think the Victory Fund, though, is a joint project of the National Committee uh, and the Biden campaign. It was just simply they'd amend their filing to be make it a joint project of the Democratic National Committee uh, and uh, the Democratic candidate, who that, whoever that person may be. Again, I'm not a federal election lawyer, and it would be wise to uh, to uh, consult one. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Nikki Haley continues, despite the fact that she's going to take a drubbing in Nevada this week uh, and is now running close to 30 points behind in the latest polls in her home state uh, of South Carolina. She seems intent uh, to drive the country to World War III. Uh, today, uh, uh, advocating strikes, uh, airstrikes on Iran. Do we have that video? for it to get bad before they do something about it. Where did this all start? None of this would have started had Biden not lifted the sanctions on Iran. You allowed million, billions of dollars to go in from China importing their oil. And what did that do? That gave money to the proxies to get these missiles, to do these things, to do the training, to invade Israel. All of that happened because they got money. And Biden still to this second hasn't increased sanctions on Iran. That's lunacy because you're just continuing to pay them for trying to now kill our soldiers. You, there are things we can do that are not war, but not having common sense, there's no excuse for that. And this is something where we've seen him do it with Iran. We saw him do it with Afghanistan. We're seeing him do it with Russia and Ukraine. You have to be tough. That doesn't mean starting a war. That actually means preventing war. But when countries see that you're tough and you're serious, they back off. By nature, they back off. Iran knows they can't beat America. They've always known that. But as long as they smell blood in the water, they're going to keep doing this. Governor Haley, want to thank you for coming by today. Thanks so much. Go to NikkiHaley.com. We're going to finish this. It's great. Uh, absolutely amazing. All right. I think we are pretty much, therefore, out of time. I want to thank my good friend, Troy Smith, the editor uh, in lar at large at, at rare.us for joining me in today's show. I'm Roger Stone. This has been the Stone Zone. Until tomorrow, God bless you and Godspeed.